If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. I'm at the nail salon. I'm at the grocery store. I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Wait, she's at the nail salon and the grocery store? I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Groceries through Instacart, delivered to my door. I don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store. broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Thank you for joining me. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing with all of the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I'm your ever so humble host, Tim Tapp, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee. So, in case you 
haven't noticed, I have not exactly been around much this past week, and it wasn't anything that I had scheduled. So I've been a bit under the weather, and then just when I thought I was feeling a little better. So then right before time to go on the air Friday night, I got feeling bad again, and then I've missed out. Uh, this Saturday and Sunday shows as well. This past Sunday, of course, being Easter, uh, it was literally the first time since I joined BTR that I have missed an Easter. So I felt kind of bad about that. Um, you know, it, it is one of those uh, one of those things. And right now, I'm actually taking a look at a a message here. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I love doing this stuff on air. Uh, I am very bad to, <laughs> very bad at multitasking at this point, uh, but I'm very happy to be back. Uh, and I'm just responding real quick. <laughs> yep, that's what I should do live on air. And, and I will be uh, actually checking something real quick here as I go. Um <laughs> Da, 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 da. And yeah, I'll uh, <laughs> I'll get back on track now. Okay, so I've been MIA for a bit, and so this is exactly the way I should start <laughs> coming back. And uh, it's just been one thing after another. But I'm so happy to finally be back and be live with you guys. And I want to give a special shout out to. Annie, the radio chick, Ubellus, who was first one in the chat room tonight, beat out Chief by by almost two full minutes. And, uh, of course, uh, we had uh, Chief has joined us now as well. And so far, that's it. Uh, Kel's show came on immediately before this one started. And uh, she and Nor have uh, very many of the others who were over there have uh, migrated over. Uh, after this past week, uh, who knows, maybe they don't even think I'm on the air tonight, which would be fine. But uh, I, I'm going to have to check my schedule here. Uh, evidently, uh, Southern Sense Talk Radio uh, is in need of a co-host, and I think I can make that happen. Uh, I will have to uh, definitely uh, definitely uh, make some quick checks before the end of the show. Uh, hopefully I'll know, but if not, I will send you an email, Annie, uh, and uh, I'm uh, <laughs> actually sending another message right now to make sure that I can do that. But as of right now, I would very much love uh, to do exactly that. Uh, been a while since uh, I've been over on Southern Sense and definitely uh, have always enjoyed it. It's a blast over there. And uh, I'll say once again, if you're not already listening to Southern Sense Talk Radio, what in the crap are you waiting for one of the best talk radio shows out there period just head over to southern-sense.com and pick your favorite way to listen to the show and while i'm at it let me go ahead and throw in a plug for chief as well he's the host of simple facts of life and he very graciously was going to join me this last sunday uh, well i've already discussed it with him and he'll be joining me this coming sunday instead for the sunday live show which, uh, if you're listening to KYAH 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority, then that means you'll actually get to hear that. Uh, uh, let's see, the Sunday live show is uh, divided up. I guess you'll probably hear that on Tuesday for you guys. All right, so uh, anyway, what do you say I actually get started with the show instead of uh, continuing to babble on? Uh, 
<laughs> so here we are. So many things happened while I was out. And actually, it's such a nice day here. And I'm just one more thing before I get started. Such a nice day right here in East Tennessee. I actually have all the windows open here in the studio. Normally, shut them up so there's not much background noise. I don't know how clearly uh, you'll hear anything, but if uh, vehicles are going by or what have you, you will get to hear that in the background possibly. So understand that's not me playing with sound effects, and that's not me at a different location. That's just me trying to enjoy some fresh air as I'm still recuperating. But now, now, so many things happen, so many things happen, so many things going on that I, I'm never going to get caught up. So I'm going to try and sneak a few things in here and, and uh, try to get at least two stories in in the first half of the show, which is going to be even harder the longer I sit here and babble about it, <laughs> and uh, then uh, discuss some of the previous incidents that I have not had an opportunity to discuss. And I'll try to be caught up with all this wonderful stuff by Sunday. Uh, in the meanwhile, let's get started right into the thick of things here. This is one of these social justice warrior stories. Uh, no, this is actually a true justice story when a social justice warrior tried to commit a crime in the effort to hoax a crime. Yes, once again, the actor slash singer who I don't really like talking about that much anymore has uh well and the situation has been pushed to the point that i have to mention mr jesse smollett uh, not so much about what jesse has done uh but uh because his two buddies that he had paid tried to pay off tried to help him out with his little hate hoax well they've decided it's time that they did a little pushback so the two Nigerian-American brothers who helped Jesse carry out his hate hoax, uh, now they've officially filed a suit against Smollett's Hollywood-based attorneys in federal court, and what they're alleging is defamation. Uh, according to CWB Chicago, the complaint filed uh, in Chicago's federal courthouse seeks more than seventy-five thousand dollars each for the Sundaro brothers uh, and uh, they're targeting specifically Mark Garagos and Tina uh, Glandian as well as the Garagos and Garagos law firm specifically the lawsuit not only accuses Smollett's attorneys of making uh, defamatory claims that they believe went above and beyond merely advocating for their client in the public square, but outlines in a signified and sworn document how they helped Smollett carry out the alleged hate hoax. And, and that's what I'm calling it for, forevermore, hate hoax. Uh, <laughs> anyway, within this document, they say that the whole thing was orchestrated by Smollett himself. Now, the two brothers allege that Smollett paid them, quote, a sum of money, uh, not specifying how much. I think we know because we've seen the check. <laughs> it's out there. It's public knowledge. But uh, in, in their official sworn statement, a sum of money to stage the attack to benefit Smollett himself. And then... He directed every aspect of the attack, including the location and 
the news. So he was very much stagey. See, this is Jesse actually trying to to pad his acting uh, career resume. So, you know, he's done the acting. He's done the singing. He's done the dancing. Now he's trying to get uh, proper credits for directing and producing. So he wants to be known as the ultimate all-around Hollywood threat. And that's the part that we keep missing here, right? That's what we're not getting. This, this wasn't a hate hoax as much as it was just an off, off, way off Broadway production. See, that's the way we should be looking at this because it is absolutely ridiculous to this point that we're still hearing this man pretend to be innocent. His brother has stepped forward and come to his aid with this fantastic fantastical essay talking about how they sat back and had to watch Jesse struggle as he's had his character impugned. Gee, really? I wonder why. Maybe because he has no character to speak of? Maybe because he legitimately tried to perform a hate hoax? Maybe there's good reason why your brother's character is being questioned to be charitable. So anyway, the pair of brothers also, uh, as they continue to make the, the point, they, they work as amateur professional trainers and nutritionists in Chicago, and they took bit parts in local television shows, and they managed to get bit parts on Empire as well. We've, we've kind of talked about that in the past. So uh, this is, of course, where they first connected with Smollett, and they contend that they were uh, kind of cowed into the deal. Mr. Smollett used his clout as a wealthy actor to influence the plaintiffs, who were in a subordinate relationship to him and were aspiring to make it in Hollywood. So are the brothers almost insinuating that Jesse Smollett is the gay black version of well no nah, I'm not going to go there <laughs> I thought about it probably shouldn't because actually there is some other stuff in here that might lead in that direction so uh, let's let's continue on so Mr. Smollett's motivation was simple I'm quoting from uh, the uh, lawsuit now Mr. Smollett's motivation was simple he wanted his employer and the public to notice and appreciate him as a successful black, openly gay actor. So Mr. Smollett directed every aspect of the attack, including the location and the noose. So after a few weeks of a Chicago Police Department investigation into what Smollett said was a racist and homophobic attack that took place outside of his apartment building in the lovely downtown Chicago neighborhood of Streeterville. The detectives, well, they're actually called detectives for a reason, and they came to the determination that Smollett himself was responsible for orchestrating the attack. The actor was arrested and charged with 17 criminal counts, most relating to filing a false police report with the Chicago Police Department. In a controversial move, <laughs> and I think I'm being very charitable in that, um, in that description, in a controversial move, the Cook County State's Attorney's Office, 
they dropped the charges against Smollett in exchange for $10,000, the upfront of his bond, and 16 hours of community service, uh, 16 hours, I might add, that he had actually already done before charges were filed, most of which was with Jesse Jackson's Rainbow Coalition. So mm, I don't know if it's even fair to call that community service done in exchange for these charges. It, nobody else would have ever gotten a sweetheart deal like that. Nobody. But uh, no admission of guilt on Smollett's part was required. So the brothers say that Smollett took the deal as evidence of his innocence. I'm at the nail salon. I'm at the grocery store. I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Wait, she's at the nail salon and the grocery store? I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Groceries through Instacart delivered to my door. I don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store. But that Smollett's lawyers continued to maintain in media appearances that the brothers were responsible for the attack. <sighs> they actually also said that uh, Smollett's attorney, Ms. Uh, Lendia, uh, going so far as to suggest that the two men may have been wearing white face to disguise their identities during the attack. In a press conference, uh, the brother's attorney, a Gloria Smith, uh, said that the uh, the continued attention has hurt the brothers' respective businesses and caused them untold emotional pain. Now, here's the long and short of it. At some point down the road here, this idea that the brothers may have actually been engaged in homosexual activity has come to uh, the uh, forefront. Now, given where the brothers' family still lives, it is actually a criminal offense that may even be punishable by stoning uh, death. Let's see here. Hang on just a second. Oh, no, wait. That's That's not... What, what, what? Sorry, guys. I'm uh, <laughs> trying to deal with something here. And, and good grief. We have this whole new... Um, <laughs> we have this whole new chat room here at BTR. And unfortunately for us in the chat room, uh, we don't have the ability anymore to kind of just ban or block people uh, in the process we are getting a lot more trolls especially those of us on the conservative side of the BTR process and now they can more easily put video stuff in here so there's some going to be some complaints set to BTR about this it is just absolutely ridiculous so uh Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and now I'm uh, peeking back in the chat room, and Chief's like, the big question is, Tim recovered, or will he drop dead mid-show? Drop dead is looking more and more probable. 
<laughs> your bunker has windows. Uh, now, I'm not actually in a bunker, uh, Chief, uh, surprisingly enough. So, uh, at any rate, that, that's the uh, grand scheme of things, is that uh, this suggestion of the potential homosexual activity has made it dangerous for these brothers now to go back and visit family. This actually has affected them. Now, again, I don't want to sound overly... Um, what's a good word here? I, I don't want to sound overly sympathetic because I'm not. They agreed to go along with it. They got paid to do this. I don't know exactly what they thought was going to come out of this. So, I mean, they committed this crime, and they should have been prepared for what would happen. But at the same time, this is just such an over-the-top thing. What is wrong with Jesse Smollett just sitting down and shutting up after he managed to get away with this really, really fortunate set of circumstances? <laughs> Chief says all conservative talk show hosts broadcast from a bunker. <laughs> well, for uh, the purposes of safety these days and the roaming bands of Antifa, uh, that's usually the case, but uh, – I'm kind of out uh, in the rural America where the roaming bands of Antifa are not as much of an issue. So it's a little bit safer where I'm at, Chief. <laughs> now, where you're at, uh, actually, out on the the left coast, just about any place out that way, I would be very concerned about your safety. And you should probably have a panic room inside of your bunker where you're broadcasting from. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, what would have been wrong with uh, with Smollett's lawyers and Smollett just saying, Shh, "That's it, enough. Let's 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 take the win and let's go." What would have been wrong with that? I don't understand. Why is that an issue? Why could you not just let it go? Seriously. All right. So, at any rate. That's really about all I've got to say about that. This is a story we will be kind of keeping an eye on. We'll watch it moving forward. It should come to an interesting conclusion because at this point, I don't understand why the feds are not swooping in and charging Jesse Smollett. There should be some federal repercussions since the state decided to close their eyes here. Uh, it's just the way it should be. All right, so let me go ahead and do the uh, Edwards Notebook, and then we'll do the Songs and Stories for Soldiers, the uh, Veterans Tip of the Day. Um, of course, it seems like it's getting louder outside, so I may have to close my windows after all. But let's do that real quick, and then uh, we'll get to the next story, and hopefully I'll have time for at least one more thing. So stay with me, guys. I will be right back. Is nationalism racist, or are those attacking nationalism racist? Hello, I'm Ron Edwards on today's page from the Edwards Notebook. To be nationalist means to appreciate the nation you were born in. It also means that you want your country to thrive, be strong, and have more opportunities for your children than you had. Nationalists often called racist because it is assumed that only white people like America and want her to be great. Many anti-nationalists love to tell black Americans that they are simple victims who just can't 
make it here in America because the deck is stacked against us. They are the same simpletons who convince some black people that the requirement to show an identification at the voting booth is racist because we blacks are supposed to be unable to get proper identification, yet we can't drive or purchase a new washing machine without showing identification. So, my fellow Americans, who are the authentic racists? The nationalist who seeks to build upon America's finer attributes, including opportunities, are those telling black Americans you can only exist on lower standards than everyone else. I'm Ron Edwards. Join me Fridays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on AmericaMatters.us and 12 a.m. Sundays on Talk America Radio Network. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Dan Perkins here for your songs and stories for soldiers, veterans, tip of the day. The VA recently reported that 70% of all veteran suicides are by vets who have never been to the VA. There's a saying, when a person's name is written down, where people can see it, that person will never be forgotten. Many of our veterans, past and present, feel that nobody cares about them. We will be holding the first Songs and Stories for Soldiers Veterans Memorial Tournament. All the proceeds will go to purchase MP3 players for veterans. I know that veterans and their families all over the country will hear this announcement and not be able to play at the golf outing, but want to help. So here's your veterans tip of the day. If you have a family member or a friend that is a veteran, for $100 you can honor them and make sure they will never be forgotten. Go to songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us and sponsor a tea or a green in their name. Keep their memory alive. This has been your veterans tip of the day. All right, boys and girls, thank you very much for staying with me through the break. Uh, I want to give a quick shout-out to Vorpal Bite, who's joined us in the chat room. Glad to have you with us tonight, Vorp. And uh, we'll continue with the conversation. Uh, second big story – well, it's not a big story, which is why I want to cover it. It's one of the things that I like doing. I like looking at stuff that uh, is noteworthy but typically kind of gets blown by by most uh, talk shows and uh, most mainstream media because it doesn't – fit into the narrative usually, and this is one of those social justice warrior stories where the social justice warriors are actually being put in their place. Seems that there's some students that have been trying to get some famous professors fired, and the smackdown was delivered. So uh, over the course of the last two weeks, there's been two university presidents who have issued strong rebukes of attempts by activist students to fire or silence high-profile university professors with whom they disagree. Last Tuesday, the president of George Mason University issued a statement to the students calling for the firing of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, informing them that while it may be painful to some of them, standing behind their three-year contract with Kavanaugh as a teacher is, quote, very, very important for the integrity of the university. Okay, so uh, even that is still a bit of a cop-out, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about that. The statement should have been firmer. You don't have to be harsh, but the statement should have been firmer. The statement should have been more along the lines of, well, we signed a contract, and if we want to be considered uh, a, a a university with integrity, we have to honor that contract. No, 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 no. 
The statement should have been made, Brent Kavanaugh was hired to teach because he is an expert in the field. And as such, he has the right to be here. We tapped him for this position because of his expertise, because of his resume, and because of what he has done. And if this is painful for some of you, don't take the class. That should have been the statement. That should have been made clear because here's the deal, and I've been saying this a lot recently. When it comes to these protests going on on campus, students should have a voice on campus. They should. But at the end of the day, the administration is supposed to be running the college, not the students. There's too many members of faculty that already have this estranged idea, that have already been through the indoctrination process, that is utterly insane to try and get a consensus on campus. The, the very notion, the concept that there's conservative voices anywhere on a college campus is such a rarity that it's almost laughable when somebody says it out loud. Even traditionally conservative colleges, if it's part of the private and public sector domain, unless you're talking about someplace um, like, well, I mean, not even Liberty. What's what's? Uh, oh, it's in Michigan. I can't even think of the name now. I'm drawing a freaking blank all of a sudden. But uh, Hillsdale, that's the place. I knew I'd come up. Uh, unless you're talking about Hillsdale. Uh, there simply aren't any universities that have a very strong conservative presence. Now, there's a few that do have them, but that should still be it. If you're going to be a university, you need to be exactly that. So that being said, okay, I'm still going to give uh, a little bit of a hat tip towards George Mason for not kowtowing to the uh, social justice warriors that were crying that Brett Kavanaugh is such an evil rapist, which, of course, we all know he is. They just couldn't prove it. Uh, uh, Brett Kavanaugh was colluding with rapists in high school, and uh, I believe they were Russian rapists. Uh, but uh, you know, the real question is, is the evidence in the room with us now? Can you see the evidence now? Or is, is the evidence here? With anyway. So a few days after that, the president of the University of the Arts told activists on his campus that they would not be allowed to suppress free speech on his campus by ousting longtime faculty member and famous anti-feminist feminist Camille Pegla. Now, uh, Pegla, of course – and I'm probably butchering that pronunciation, by the way – but uh, she uh, she's been one of those – Strong feminist voices for a long time, and she has been one of those really kind of leading the charge for feminist against the trans agenda. She's come under a lot of fire from her fellow progressives, or as I usually say, so-called progressives, for pushing back against the transgender and the hashtag MeToo movements. This, of course, has resulted in the student-led petition for her to be fired by the University of the Arts. But despite their best efforts to get rid of this threat to their thought process, this actually a fellow traveler, if you will, one of the leaders of the feminazi movement who simply recognizes a very basic truth, that being that men and women are not the same thing and biologically speaking cannot be. Ooh, see that? That's the kind of thing that gets you fired. 
That's the main reason why there's not a lot of terrestrial radio stations knocking down my door because I'll say it. And, of course, that it's not that they disagree. It's that, that it leads to such bad, bad publicity. Most universities just dropped it. But uh, in an open letter to the students, to the faculty, and to the staff posted back on April 10th, uh, UArts President David Yeager made painfully clear that the activists weren't going to be allowed to silence this famous professor. Yeager begins by <clears throat> reaffirming that the university's core values and our commitment to rigorous critical inquiry and support of our mission of advancing human creativity, our core value on integrity and diversity is clear. We are a supportive community committed to individual and artistic integrity and inclusion. We promote and respect self-expression, a wide range of ideas and diversity in all its forms. So basically, the core value uh, that he's suggesting is under pressure by the increasing lack of civility in debate and by those who seek to suppress speech with each uh, – whatever speech with which that they disagree. So uh, going back to the letter, quoting again, unfortunately, as a society, we are living in a time of sharp divisions of opinions, perspectives, and beliefs. And that has led to decreased civility, increased anger, and a new normal of offense given and taken. He continues saying, across our nation, it is all too common for opinions expressed that differ from another's, especially those that are controversial, can spark passion and even outrage often resulting in calls to suppress that speech. But Yeager stresses that, quote, simply cannot be allowed to happen. You know, I got to admit, it sounded like he was building up to some kind of little flame out, not all that dissimilar to the George Mason bit. It's like, oh, well, I'm going to stand up for our decision, but I'm going to say it in a way where I hope you'll understand. No, he, he's actually kind of very forceful. He was speaking in their language initially, which is part of what makes this so effective. Uh, continuing with what he wrote, he says, quote, I firmly believe that limiting the range of voices in society erodes our democracy. He continues by saying universities, moreover, are at the heart of the revolutionary notion of free expression. Promoting the free exchange of ideas is part of the core reason for their existence. How about that, guys? How about the idea that there is a college or a university president left in this country outside of Hillsdale that still understands the idea of free expression, that still understands that part of their job is to expose these kids to new ideas, to expose these young adults 
still woefully lacking life experience to expose them to people that will challenge their ideas, challenge their way of thinking, and not just step back and support the same leftist indoctrination dribble. That while he may subscribe to it himself, while everyone on campus may subscribe to it, that he's not going to simply sit back and say, uh, you guys are running the asylum. And he actually makes the case, a case that uh, traditional liberals used to make. You know, Not this, we're going to suppress speech, we're going to suppress speech, we're going to suppress speech. Oh, that's hate speech. That's hate speech. Oh, you're a bigot. You're a phobe. Insert whatever uh, description you want to before the phobe. No, 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 no. He says that this is the way it is, ladies and gentlemen, and this is what college and university is for. Welcome to America. <laughs> so Jaeger then underscores the importance of defending the, quote, open interchange of opinions and beliefs, and also stating, quote, fostering a climate conductive to respectful intellectual debate that empowers and equips our students to meet the challenges they will face in the future. These values, he says, are particularly important in art schools. Artists over the centuries have suffered censorship and even persecution for the expression of their beliefs through their work. My answer is simple. Not now. Not at UArts. So, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to give the guy – I'm going to give the guy a full hat tip. I, I think uh, he has done quite a bit. <laughs> it's a phobia. <laughs> Phobias scare me. Chief – <laughs> I love you. Chief in the chat room says, I'm a phobia phobe. Uh phobia scare me. I love it. Okay, so uh you know, it's it's such such a good thing just to hear this coming from a, a, a university, quite honestly. Because uh, I've been saying for a while now, and those of you who are uh, fairly regular listeners, you've heard me say this more than once. We're past the point of letting the students run the universities. The uh, administrators have a responsibility. You have to be part of what's going on or you don't get the full experience. And, and of course I'm talking from a student perspective right now. You have to be involved in groups, and you have to have your little clicks, but you have to have the thought process challenged. I mean, I've always kind of thought that uh, a university professor, their job is to actually to challenge whatever the, the student's viewpoint is, regardless of if they agree with that viewpoint or not. You know, playing devil's advocate, putting up the notion, the concept is that you realize that once you leave university, you're going to be going out into a world where people aren't going to think like you. You realize that you're going to be going out into a world where you may have to defend at least to yourself, why you believe the things you believe. You don't necessarily have to be a keyboard warrior. You don't necessarily have to be at a protest shouting down people or, or running around along with the Antifa hordes. 
but you have to be prepared to at least in your own mind defend your beliefs. Question, if you're not prepared to critically think about what it is that you claim to believe in, then there is no point, none, to even going to college. And, and I understand that this modern age, especially given what the costs are, uh, there is a strong case to be made not to go to college anyway. Uh, there really is. Not everybody who goes to college is really college material in the first place. Uh, you can get a jump start on an actual career if you go through internships. I mean there's a lot of common sense pathways to having a productive and um, comfortable, quite honestly, life if you choose a path. But the point still comes back that for so long now, uh, we've had college professors and college presidents and college chancellors that have stood back and they have they've seen these kids rise up and they've fanned the flames of protest and they've indoctrinated the leftist ideologies to the point that they want to encourage them even more to the point that there's several colleges out there where the students literally are running everything, and that's why the curriculum is so messed up as well. She says the problem is that students today don't realize that. They're being taught that everyone who isn't deplorable agrees with them, and you're right. We are the deplorables. We are the smelly Walmart people, <laughs> and the students need to be taught the exact opposite of that. It's like it used to be an experience to go to college outside of the education. There was the experience, and that experience was you met people very different from the people that you were around in your community where you came from. You know, that was the idea. That was the notion. Now, obviously, that wasn't always the case, especially if you were from a fancy, fancy neighborhood because your parents were extremely wealthy, and then you're going to an Ivy League school where you're pretty much surrounded by other people from the exact same kind of environment that you came from, where the biggest controversy is whether or not it's appropriate to have Hispanic or Asians as the hired help. But the biggest controversies are whether or not it's more appropriate to be on the French Riviera or to be in Aspen for the winter. It's just ridiculous. The rest of us were supposed to be having this great opportunity to, to meet different people that we've never been exposed to before and, and come into contact with new ideas and then – prepare ourselves for what it was going to be like when we had to go out and stand on our own. And that's another thing that's missing, quite honestly. Not a lot of students are actually being taught that there's going to be a day where they're going to have to stand on their own. There's, there is going to come a day where you're going to be expected to make it on your own strength, to build on your own merit and stand on the quality of your effort and your work. Now, I suppose if you're from a wealthy enough family, that day might not actually ever come. I suppose that's a possibility. And you know what? That's nah, good for you, but that's not the case for most of us. And unfortunately, that's still the type of hokum that most students, even before they get to college now, are being taught. They're being indoctrinated to. So there you have it. All right, now as far as some of the things I 
didn't get a chance to comment about, let's start with the Mueller report. I haven't read it yet. I've been not well, <laughs> and I haven't read it, but here's here's what I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, I, I will read it, and I'll have a more in-depth conversation if it's still topical at that point. But what I absolutely love is that we predicted it, we called it, we, we knew it was going to be the case. Uh, here's the deal. Nothing to go after Trump about. Democrats aren't happy. More investigations to follow. And I say keep it up, guys. Keep up. The, the vast majority of the American public is ready for this to be done. So you just keep coming on, guys. You just keep doing the stuff that the majority of America really doesn't want you to do and see how well that turns out for you in the 2020 election cycle. I hope, I pray. They, and I would really love for Maxine Waters to get together with Schiff and for them to go ahead and try to impeach Donald Trump because that would almost guarantee not only a Trump reelection but a red wave in both the House and possibly a few more seats picked up in the Senate. So uh, that's what I'm looking forward to, and I certainly hope that uh, that they do continue exactly that. And that's really about all I have to say because, like I said, I can't really comment too much about the report itself. Um, it's just the Democrats are so silly. Uh, if there was enough evidence to charge uh, for obstruction of justice, uh, the impeachment would already be underway. Okay, so they know they know they don't have anything, but they just can't let it go. And so continue. Like I said, we'll talk more in depth a little later after I've had a chance to actually read it. Uh, now about the Sri Lanka terrorist attack. I know you guys have heard this said by other commentators by now, but uh, you know I can't help it. I've, I've got to say something. Is there a new rule in, in the American media and, and particularly in the democratic lexicon that says that you can't utter the word Christian when it comes to them being an obvious victim, a targeted victim of violence and hatred? I mean is that a rule now? I mean, this whole Easter worshippers bit. Uh, exactly who who worships uh, on Easter? Now, you could make the claim technically on those occasions when the Passover falls exactly on uh, with Easter, which it does quite often. Now, there's usually a pretty big overlap. You could say that there's more than one group that's worshiping. On Easter, but they're not actually worshiping Easter, are they? The Jews are observing their tradition of Passover. And of course, it makes a lot of sense that they overlap because guess what? Uh, the whole Last Supper was supposed to be a, pa a Passover Seder. So, you know, that's what was going on. Let's not forget that uh, Jesus Christ was a Jew. Okay, so the Jewish people shall observe the Passover. And there you have it. Chief right now in the chat room is uh, <laughs> sharing a link to uh, Babylon B, which is a great, great site, by the way. If you guys actually enjoy a little satire, uh, it's certainly worth going. Um, 
talking about Hillary Clinton's <laughs> shouts Easter worshippers at the Wheel of Fortune puzzle. <laughs> and, and it really is. But, you know, Hillary probably did the worst tweet involving it because uh, uh, when you look at the comparison to what happened uh, in New Zealand and how that was cut up. Now, now Barack Obama did something not that dissimilar, but I don't think his was quite as bad based on what they tweeted out about what occurred to the Muslim community uh, in New Zealand in comparison to what happened to these Christians. But you know, here's the fun thing. I mean it's pretty straightforward here, guys. Uh, Christians in particular, they're not part of the intersectionality coalition. They're not part of the American uh, targeted communities. You can't be because for far too long they were in charge. That, that's why you can't be racist against white people. Now, that's how they think. You can't be racist against white people. Oh, white people, uh, they're in charge. Really? And uh, It's so ridiculous. Sorry, I was peeking back in the chat room. You guys can tell when I do that, I'm pretty sure. But uh, it is so absolutely ridiculous that this happened. And here's the deal. They don't want to talk about it. The, the whole premise of the Intersectionality Coalition is who are the targeted minorities who face oppression in the Americas. So obviously Christians and Jews don't belong on the list either, and, and white people regardless don't belong there. And now I've even heard uh, lately – I was reading an article earlier uh, towards the middle of last week saying that now black men are almost as bad as white women as far as the intersectionality is concerned. Uh, you're on the uh, coalition uh, hierarchy, but you're way down near the bottom now. So you know you've got to be uh, a gay transgender Muslim from Uganda uh, to be at the tippy top. You know you've got to have so many different things going on, and it's just ridiculous. Never mind the fact that the most victimized group within the United States. Are American Jews and worldwide the most victimized group? And this is according to Pew Research, by the way. This is not me just making this up. I know somebody's going to say, "Oh, you just made that up." No, no. This is according to Pew. You can look it up. Uh, worldwide, Christians are the most victimized group because around the world, and, and this isn't even per capita. Okay, I'm not having to even adjust numbers. The raw numbers make it clear. Around the world, nobody is more persecuted than Christians. America is like one of the few places that Christians are relatively safe, although the intersectionality coalition is trying to undo that. But guys, it was Christians who were targeted, Christians that were targeted by an Islamic faction. The group responsible for the murder of nearly 300 people with several injured and still in harm's way, they admitted – they have come forward. They've claimed responsibility, and they admitted that this was in fact retribution for the New Zealand attack. 
Well, this Sri Lanka, this is a case where the country itself has a Muslim population of just under 10%. It's 9 point something something. So they're not exactly a majority. It's still majority Hindu. But at just under 10% population, they now feel competent enough to commit acts of terroristic jihad against the minority, the true minority within the nation. How long till we see similar actions taking place in the West? Guess what? Depending on where you're looking, we already see it. We have no-go zones all around the freaking Western civilization, all throughout Western Europe, here in the, the North America, here in the U.S. and in Canada. We have it going on on a fairly regular basis, but the media works really hard to keep as much of it quiet as they can. You literally have to listen to shows like this and Kells and the rest of the Global Patriot Network and Chief Show. Sometimes he'll delve into this, although usually he tries to keep his stuff a bit lighter and more directed at American politics specifically. And, of course, uh, over at Annie's show, and you can hear that quite often. But regardless of all that, if you're not listening to independent sources, you're probably not – even Fox News gets hush-hush about this kind of uh, news story. They don't want to talk about it, and that's where we're left at. And I'm looking at the clock, and you know what? I, I'm quickly running out of time, so I guess I better kind of coalesce my ideas here. Um, I've got less than eight minutes left, guys. Where has the time gone? These one-hour shows really, really uh, kind of hit me uh, when I'm trying used to doing the two-hour bit, but. I am starting to, to feel a bit warmish in here, so I'm glad it's only one hour tonight. Uh, you know, here's here's the real deal. You know, you got folks like the Washington Post. Instead of reporting on the facts on the ground about what happened in Sri Lanka, no, no, they want to talk about how right-wing Americans fueled anger over this, and how some. Right-wing commentators took this as yet more proof that Christians are under attack around the world. Um, why wouldn't you? I want to know who it is that's not taking this as evidence because guess what? This is another instance of Christians being attacked. Even the hotels, they weren't targeted because they were hotels. They were targeted because these were hotels that were offering a special Easter meal. <laughs> Yeah, that's the one thing that, that the hotels that were targeted had in common. This was an attack against Christianity, members of the church specifically. Worldwide Christians are the most endangered group, and it's, it's not just oppression. It is literally attack and assault. It is destroy. It is kill. There is no group that is oppressed more worldwide. But we just can't say that in America, can we? We have to make the story about something else. We have to find a way to flip the script. Oh, yes, this is a terrible, terrible tragedy that happened there. But, oh, look how the right-wingers are acting here because of it. 
Well, some people maybe uh, did go over the top. Some people probably did say some things that the rest of us would be kind of like, eh, that might be a bridge too far. But at the end of the day, nothing, nothing changes the fact that this was an attack on Christians, directed at Christians, directed as a response to a white supremacist leftist who was trying to trigger a race war in the United States. This is literally just an excuse. And I have to tell you, when it comes to the Islamists, and you have to understand the terminology here, not every Muslim is an Islamist, okay? Not every person who claims to be a Muslim actually believes in the full tenets taught throughout the Quran. They don't take every single word to heart that Muhammad had to say, because if they did, they would all be Islamists, and they would all be out to kill or convert every single non-Muslim. If you got a Muslim friend who tolerates you and your lack of being a Muslim, and they're genuine about it, then they're not an Islamist. So understand, an Islamist is someone who embraces the full and darkest aspects of what was taught by the so-called prophet. Islamists are every bit as dangerous as any white supremacist has ever been. Islamists commit more acts of terrorism, commit more acts of violence, commit more murders every single year than white supremacists have in the last decade combined. Don't believe me? Fine. Look it up. But make sure that you check multiple sources and make sure that you're verifying that unlike our school shooting statistics, that your source isn't also counting suicides that took place in parking lots of a place that hasn't been a school in a decade, because that's some of the folks that got counted in with those statistics. Make sure you know what is being included in your statistics. But even then, with those kind of stretches, they'd be hard-pressed to come to any other there's no other conclusion to come to. Easter is supposed to be a time of reflection and rejoicing because Easter is the reason Christianity exists in the first place. Everybody loves Christmas, but Christmas wouldn't mean anything without the Resurrection Sunday. They were Christians that were targeted, and it was specific. We're supposed to be all nice, and we're supposed to stop military actions uh, on Islamic holidays when we're fighting fights in Islamic countries. And we did under George W. and previous because we acknowledge a moment of faith. But every Christian holiday is just another day that we can be targeted by those who seek to do us harm because they believe ultimately in their own superiority and that we must either submit or die. Again, not every Muslim is an Islamist, but every Islamist is a threat to the American way of life. All right, so that's going to have to be it for today. As I said, I'm quickly running out of time. I want to thank everybody for uh, being here. Obviously, uh, Annie took off. Uh, she had her feel of the troll. 
Chief hung out all the way through. Vorpelbite uh, was here and then bounced out. Obviously uh, a little tired. Thanks to, to you guys and thanks to everybody else who's listening. And for those of you who are listening to KYAH 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority, thank you so much for joining me as I bring a little East Tennessee flavor to Utah's Talk Authority. Uh, that's it for now, but I will be back tomorrow, so uh, unless I have to call in dead, <laughs> the plan is to be here. Uh, thank you so much. But remember, uh, regardless of everything else, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in a little bit of effort, but more importantly, to use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. That's it for me, guys. I'm out. Using both hands Founders knew the Second Amendment was the final one to keep To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep Now in Hitler, now in Pol Pot They told us things that you never forgot Is using both hands Well I prefer the three oh wings to the tiny two to three Gives me more than a thousand yards to protect my family using both 
hell.